Had it front of shot off the post. Rebound score. Paul Connor follows the puck off the iron, puts it into the goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Broken up from behind, intended for Milano. Two on one for Vegas. Marcia so on the left. Will Smith got it to him. He scores. Nicholas Wong. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. I don't know which channel we're on, which station's up and running, but we are working it on Fox Sports Las Vegas inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio, home of the... If you're with us, thank you for being with us because it's been uh, a bit of a uh, topsy-turvy day uh, due to the technology of the worldwide communication business. And I know that there's been some outages, but you have tune-in power and you tune in at 4 o'clock every day for the VGK Insider Show. And we thank you for being with us, whether it's uh, on 1340 or 98.9. We are rocking it and rolling it and ready to go on the Insider Show with Darren Millard and Chris Chapman. And Ryan Wallace is—he's uh, in route. I don't know where he's in route from or to, but I've been told to say he's in route. So whenever he arrives, we'll tell you all about that. As the Vegas Golden Knights come off a three games in four nights stretch and now have something significant, Chapman, do you know what has transpired and led us to the trough of? I'm going to take a stab and say that they have now achieved the most points in team history. Nope. Okay. But I can uh, follow up on that. I, I was going to be surprised if you got this because this is uh, more of a uh, Mallardism uh, than anything else. But uh, given the rate of our relationship and the growth of it, uh, I was optimistic. Here's where we are today in VGK land with four games remaining. The Golden Knights officially have one of those realistic magic numbers. Now, everybody has a magic number. You can start computing it mathematically after game number one. But until it gets down to a single-digit variety, it's not really worth talking about. But as we sit here today from Studio 31 at City National Arena, the Vegas Golden Knights' magic number to clinch the Pacific Division is six. What that means is any combination of points gained to Edmonton points lost that add up to six will give the Vegas Golden Knights a Pacific Division regular season title. Both teams have four games remaining In fact, the LA Kings also have four games remaining. And the Vegas Golden Knights with the 104 points, the Edmonton Oilers with 101, and the LA Kings at 100. Vegas needs three wins, three wins to take care of things. That will put them at 110 points. The Edmonton Oilers can't mathematically get there. The most they can accomplish is 109. So there you get the magic number of six. The most that the LA Kings can get to is 108. Three and one. Even if even if Edmonton runs the table and Los Angeles 
runs the table. I know they play Vegas tomorrow night. Vegas just needs three wins in the last four games to clinch the Pacific Division. Chapman, we have real math to cling to and something right before our eyes that you can embrace as far as a clinching scenario for the Vegas Golden Knights in the Pacific Division. Yeah, and the the nice thing is you 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 do kind of control your well you do control your own destiny. Yes. But there's also because of the three-point edge you have over Edmonton, you also have a little margin for error along the way. So that's that's obviously a positive as well. So Edmonton, even if they run the table, Vegas only needs three and one record down the stretch, the final four games against Los Angeles, Dallas, home and home, Seattle. Now, Edmonton's got a schedule that you would think would be beneficial to the Oilers. Uh, It's a a schedule that has me thinking that Connor McDavid's going to hit the 70-goal mark. It's that appetizing. So you might need those three wins for the Vegas Golden Knights. But every win that you check off, between now and the end of next week gets you a little bit closer to wrapping up this Pacific Division title. Now, if you're a chasing team and you're three points back with four games to go, how optimistic are you, whether it's for a playoff spot or for a division title? Put yourself in that position, Chapman. Well, I I would start by who's on my schedule and certainly as you mentioned Edmonton has a I'll, I'll use your word appetizing schedule so if you're them you, you feel pretty optimistic especially based on who Vegas has in front of them but I still would prefer to be in Vegas's position than Edmonton's position or Los Angeles's position for that matter when when I'm looking at a team being three points back with four games to go I'm not that optimistic because you have to make up that much ground. You have to be almost perfect. And you look at the playoff races right now that are that are happening just to get in to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you've got teams that have, have made a push, right? Uh, you've, you've got clubs like Florida and the Islanders and Pittsburgh who are all battling together. You've got the Buffalo Sabres who have fallen off. That's that's pretty much done. Those teams, Buffalo, sorry, uh, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and Florida, are all gathered together. That's a pick'em. But in the in the West, if you're a couple of points out, say Calgary, let's let's pull up Calgary, eighty-seven points. Nashville, eighty-six points. Nashville's the best. Three points out with five games to go. Do you give Nashville much uh, of a chance? No. No, no. I, I, even even with the two points last night, they, they have a really tall order in front of them. Right. So you're saying they're three points out with five games to go, more games than than the Edmonton Oilers do behind the, the Vegas Golden Knights, and you don't think they have a chance to, to catch them. That's what, that's what kind of advantage, when you look at it from the trailing team, that's what kind of advantage the Vegas Golden Knights are truly hold psychologically the math speaks for itself but psychologically when you're three points down with four games to go that's a big hill to climb here's the schedule for vegas tomorrow night at home to la we'll get into that one 
Saturday afternoon in Dallas. It's a wonky schedule. Home away, home away. Next week against Seattle with a home and home. So Seattle twice. You have four playoff teams in there. That's tough. That's a difficult schedule. For Edmonton, it's L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, Colorado. What do you what do you make of those two comparisons? Well, I think Vegas has has the tougher of the two schedules, um, but I would not want to be playing Colorado right now, who are fighting for a division. I don't really think Seattle's playing for much because I feel like they've they've kind of got that their spot locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas, of course, is 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 fighting for position, but I like the way Vegas has played against Dallas this year, and I I think that they're they're going to win that game. Uh, tomorrow is a big one. Tomorrow is the one that I, I think kind of really will give you a better idea of how this thing's going to play out. Because if Vegas beats LA, then then first of all, you 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 kind of put the Kings into that third spot, right? And they're going to be locked in. But uh, you know, it's a big game for both teams. But I, three playoff teams, though. Three playoff. Yeah, teams. it's it's uh, tough. It's uh, tough. Well, four actually four games, but three playoff teams for for Vegas. Uh, all four games against uh, teams that are going to qualify for the Western Conference playoff picture. And for Edmonton, it's Anaheim, San Jose twice, and Colorado. One playoff team in there. Eesh, San Jose. But, oh. but San Jose's no, been playing better, but, though. But that's so. the thing. Like, San Jose ha- has bit you. Uh, and you hope that something like that can happen. I, I think there's part of you is motivated, if you're a Vegas fan or Vegas player, Vegas coach, Vegas management, that you're going to go through the front door on this thing with games against the Kings. When you can basically eliminate the Kings from first place contention contention tomorrow night. You win a regulation, you're six points up with three games to go. Like that that makes it hugely challenging. Where the most uh they could do is is tie and then you get another tiebreaker. I'm not gonna go down that path right now because it's already too confusing. But it could finish in a deadlock if, and Vegas would have to fall by the wayside the final three games. So you can virtually eliminate Los Angeles, and you can guarantee yourself a three-point cushion over the Edmonton Oilers no matter what the Oilers end up doing on uh, uh, tomorrow night against the uh, the Anaheim Ducks. So, or tonight against the Anaheim Ducks. So it's it's I love it the way it's sorting out. But the fact that they have a magic number, Chapman, magic number of six, points gained, points lost by Edmonton, gets you to the Pacific Division regular season title. Yeah, I I think magic numbers are always fun, right? It doesn't matter the sport. But when you see that magic number, you you, kind of have a a finish line in sight. You're coming around that last turn in the the mile run, and you can see that, that, that finish line. You can see the guy holding the tape. Magic numbers are fun. I, I I'm always a fan because as when, when when you're a fan, it gives you something to really to really look forward to. You're like, all right, it's almost like an advent calendar. You're getting closer and closer to Christmas. We're we're at December 22nd right now, and you're getting ready to open that little that little door and and, and take out your piece of chocolate, and you're getting a little bit closer. It's fun. I, I I love this time of year. Advent calendar and final turn. That's a pretty unique perspective well, on I'm where a the Vegas schools and I pretty unique right guy 
with somebody holding the tape. Yeah, yeah, the guy. And you know what? It's even better if there's chocolate on the other side of that tape. <laughs> Is Ryan Wallace uh, joining us from the Oyo Hotel and Casino? Um, he says he's connected, so let's see. Do you hear Can him? Can you guys hear me? Whoa, oh. look at this. Ah, boy, does it feel good. Just so you know, Chapman yeah. and I, we had a big disagreement. Did you? I said, for sure you'll be on the show. You'll figure it out. You guys will. You guys will put it together. And Chapman said, "No chance. I, I don't. No chance I don't that those two guys will figure it out in time to join us at any point during the VGK Insider Show." I have, so buddy, a, a who's got of, your back and who's the pessimist? In I this have group? a ton of confidence in James that he was going to have us up and running. Um. So yeah, I'll just I'll reach out to Rita. Because I know Rita was listening. I'm just going to hang out. I'm going to wait and see what everybody says. Because a part of me feels like this is reversed. Part of me feels like Chapman had all the faith in the world. And Darren was looking at two hours by himself alongside Chapman. And I don't mind that. Chapman and oh, I can, oh, yeah. can, can make it work. But I knew that you would be on this program. That you guys would be able to dial in all the technology and, and make it happen. Chapman's like, nope. Nope, I'm not even going to bother potting them up because see, there, see, there's the no thing. way we'll even uh, hear them. Here's the thing. Chapman knows me. Chapman also knows that before I did this, before I talked on the radio for a living, what I used to do is what James does now. So there have been plenty of times Chapman has been in a panic while I've needed to come down, in, uh, down to the wire and I've gotten a show up and running on the air. Tonight, it wasn't me. It was all James. James did a phenomenal job getting everything going, using multiple units, figuring all this stuff out. But, hey, it's just another situation where the Lotus Broadcasting Remote Tech Department does phenomenal work and gets everything up and running. We missed a little bit of time, but, hey, we're here now. Yeah, well, you know what? James James is my buddy, so uh, I, had, I had confidence in him. And I'm just glad that I wasn't stuck at the red light in front of the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Because then yeah, we I know. really, I we really would have been. Yeah, uh, the, the jury's out on that because you weren't here uh, off the top of the show. I don't know whether you heard the, the breaking news. Magic number is officially yeah. in. Magic number of six. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Like, you know, I think for the Golden Knights, I, obviously all that means, like if you're looking at it, right, is you've got a clear idea of what the Golden Knights have to do and how they control their own destiny. And I think, you know, it... Depending on what happens tonight with the Edmonton Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks, I think we all kind of lean one way as to what the result's going to be in that game. But all that to say, the Golden Knights are in control of their own destiny, and they've got to find six points over their next four games. Getting it done, three and one, uh, puts you into uh, the Pacific Division title holder seat uh, for the regular season, or a case where you can go two and uh, oh and two. Uh, in those final four, there's a there's a bit of a, a creative scenario that can that can come into place. But 104 points as the Vegas Golden Knights uh, chalk up another one last night in the 3-2 overtime loss against the Nashville Predators. It was a case where Vegas picked up five of six points in a scenario where they played three games in four nights in three different rinks. Mm-hmm. Where are you after the game in Nashville? I mean, I'm, I'm impressed by the fact that the Golden Knights were able to sweep the series um, over the Minnesota Wild, that they played a really solid game on Saturday. I think they followed that up with a, a game where, you know, you find a way, you get big contributions from a guy in Pavel Dorofiev who wasn't supposed to be in the lineup but was because of an illness to Chandler Stevenson. And then 
you know, I think, you know, you can look at last night's game as kind of leaving a point on the table, and, and sure, that's, that's one way to look at it, but I was encouraged by how the Golden Knights played over the final 40 minutes of that game. I thought that they were really good. It's, it's a special team situation that kind of undoes them, but all that to say, you pick up five out of six points when you've got that schedule and that much travel and three and four nights. I, I'm, I'm going to take that all day long. Five out of six, I'm taking it. Did you hear some of the post-game comments from the players uh, after the game in Nashville last night? I did not. Okay. Uh, very positive. Yeah. And, I, and listening to some of the Twitter talk and some of the evaluation of the game from the public, uh, <laughs> very different reactions uh, to, to that performance last night. And I, it, it was interesting to hear from the players uh, who are actually part of the game and uh, that's why you talk to the players. Uh, Chapman's down there after every home game uh, discussing things uh, with the dressing room. How the perception can be so different from up top to down low? Well, I, Yeah, and I, I think that you know it was really interesting to, to hear not at the end of the game, but between the first and the second period, uh, Dan had Alex Petrangelo on as the, uh, as the walk-off interview, and, and Alex liked the Golden Knights opening 20 minutes, and you know, I thought the first seven or eight minutes of that game, they were really dialed in. I, I didn't have a, a major complaint with how the Golden Knights played in the first period. It's just a couple of breakdowns end up in the back of your net. That's unfortunate. Um, and then I, I was encouraged. I loved how they played over the final 40 minutes. Did it lead to... Um, you know, a win in regulation or two points, no, but that process looked really, really good. And if not for a couple of penalties and a penalty in overtime, I think the Golden Knights eventually would have come through in that one. Uh, what did you make of the change up up front uh, with the forward combinations? I love the fact that Pavel Dorofiev was um, vaulted up the lineup a bit. I, I think that there were quite a few opportunities and chances that were created with Dorofiev alongside uh, Jonathan Marcheseau and Jack Eichel. At, at, at that line was able to get to the inside attack, missed the net a couple of times, but they had some really good looks. And, you know, for, for Bruce Cassidy, that's that's kind of a big compliment, I would think, to uh, Pavel Dorofiev. Um, you know, I, I think that it was okay. I, I would have also maybe considered looking back to Dorofiev alongside Carlson and Smith, but... Um, yeah, I, I think that it, it generated enough looks and enough chances. They just weren't able to bury one. Because the line started differently last night yeah. and then and then changed throughout the game. But Dorofiev actually kicked off the contest with Chandler Stevenson and Phil Kessel. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Nick Waugh up with William Carlson and, and Riley Smith. So it, it looks like they're they're trying a couple of different things down the stretch here, uh, looking for some, some chemistry. If you do get bodies back, it'll have to, uh, obviously you have to make room uh, for those bodies. And so trying a couple of things well, at the same time, uh, hoping to win and making in-game adjustments if those uh, combinations aren't giving you the necessary production uh, that you're, uh, you're looking for uh, is interesting. But, uh, but, but the, the Dorofiev, after the great game against Minnesota, goes to Chandler Stevenson. Do you think they're looking to get Stevenson going by putting the hot hand with him? I, I think that that's one way to look at it, for sure. And, you know, Chandler kind of coming into that game, now obviously he doesn't play in Minnesota, yeah. but had four points over his last three games. It, 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 
wasn't necessarily dominant by any stretch, but it felt like he was kind of starting to turn a corner. And I just think that you're looking at different combinations that might serve you down the road. We know that Pavel Dorofiev works alongside William Carlson and Riley Smith, but could putting Nick Waugh there give you maybe a little bit more? Does Pavel Dorofiev work maybe down the lineup? I, I think it's all options and trying to figure out where different chemistry might arise if you're Bruce Cassidy. But that, all that to say, I, I think that there's a degree of that. You put Chandler Stevenson back in the lineup, Pavel Dorofiev seems to go to the right areas. He shoots the puck when he gets the puck on his blade in, in a dangerous spot. So maybe it was an element of trying to bring Chandler along or get him going again by putting him alongside Dorofiev. Do you think we'll see Chandler Stevenson play with Jack Eichel at all in the, in the final four games? Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say never, right? Like, I think that that's an option on the table. He's Chandler's been moved to the wing quite a few times. I mean, when Nick Waugh came back in the lineup, it was Chandler Stevenson on the wing alongside Waugh and Kessel. So, um, you know, if you're going to move him to the wing and have him play alongside Nick Waugh, I think that there's an option where you put Chandler back up with Jack just to see what you've got. And it also allows you and affords you an opportunity to see Ivan Barbashev in different spots with different players. And, you know, maybe you get a little bit more juice out of him that way. I think uh, up until the last couple of games, Barbashev and Eichel were a great combination. Yeah. Uh, the Flat spot in the second game against Minnesota. Uh, found some juice at the end of that game in that late game uh, power play and, and had a couple of different looks. Uh, but... Uh, wasn't wasn't the same uh, throughout that game and yeah. uh, I'm with you uh, Barbashev uh, with because we've only really seen him with Eichel and Marcia so yeah since since he got here it, it's been a lock solid combination so uh, that's why I wouldn't be surprised if trying to get Stevenson hot going in the playoffs but also experimenting a little bit with with Ivan Barbashev in some other combination uh, would, would be a valuable uh, for Bruce Cassidy and Ryan Craig uh, with those forward units. I agree 100%. I think for the Golden Knights, you have four more games of experimentation. And yes, you've got a magic number in your mind. You want to win the division. You want to win the conference. You want to do whatever you've got to do to win three out of your next four games. But I also think just kind of looking at different options, looking at different things, and you don't have to be married to it for an entire game. If you try a different set of combinations and it's not working over 20 minutes, make the change. We've seen Bruce Cassidy do that many times over the course of the season. But I don't think it's a bad idea to experiment a little bit as you head into the playoffs. So which line is locked and loaded for the postseason? Um, probably the fourth line, right? Like, I think Brett Howden, Teddy Bluger, and, and either a combination of Michael Amadio and, and, um, and Keegan Colasar is, is pretty locked in in terms of where you expect those players See, even to play. that's not locked in, though, right? Yeah, to a degree, no. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, part of me wants to see, just for a game or two, I, I kind of want to see Michael Amadio on the right side with Teddy Bluger and, and Brett Howden. I, I think you've got a lot of energy. You've got a lot of hard work along the walls. Like, there's a little bit more finish to me with Michael Amadio in the lineup in that spot. So, I, I mean, I'd like to see different combinations there, but... I would say probably two-thirds, right? I think Brett Howden staying in the lineup, and I think that uh, Teddy Bluger is your fourth-line center. But outside of that, I I mean, I can see different combinations with William Carlson and Riley Smith. I, I think the, the, the goal is eventually to get Nick Waugh into that spot alongside those two. But we've seen Pavel Dorofiev fit in like a glove and just be fantastic there. So I, I don't know that any line's really set in stone just yet. So you see Waugh being uh, a potential long-term winger with Carlson and Smith. 
part of me feels like when, when you make the trade for Teddy Bluger at the trade deadline, understanding that he's a center iceman, you're, you're kind of locking him into that fourth-line center role. And the idea that it, it opens up the option for Nick Waugh to have more of an impact playing up the lineup, it just seems like that's the natural fit for me. And whether or not that was kind of the intention or where you were going, I, I don't know. But to me, I, I think that that has the potential to be a really good line that can give you some solid minutes, shut down their good 200-foot every single player. You've got two centers on that ice or on that line that can take draws on their strong side. Um, I just think that that makes a lot of sense, and that's one I want to see given some time to grow. I ask you these questions because I'm legitimately interested in how it shakes out. Yeah. Because for a team that that has a magic number of six with four games to go in the NHL regular season to lock down uh, the Pacific Division title and uh, in the process, if you continue down that path, you will win the the Western Conference and the top seed in the West. There is a lot of fluidity, more than I've ever seen from a team in this position uh, with, with, with its forward units. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, and, and part of that I think comes with having some healthy bodies and options, right? Like Paul Cotter is an option. Michael Amadio didn't play last night. That's another option. And, you know, even though the Golden Knights still have some players that are, are out, and Mark Stone and Will Carrier, you still have some healthy players that can be put into different spots in different situations. And really everyone's played well when they've been in the lineup and chipped in and helped. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of fluidity for the Golden Knights going into the playoffs. And I haven't brought up Mark Stone or uh, the uh, situation with William Carrier for a reason, because until I see them practicing, sure, until yeah. I see them on the ice uh, and, and with, with the group, uh, I, I can't go down that path. Uh, of wondering whether they're they're going to be in it's just there's there's just too much uh, conjecture in that and sure. uh, and and possibility so I, i'm dealing with the players that are that are healthy that are that are uh, available right now and you got uh, amadio you got uh, uh cotter in in that mix and i and i haven't put uh cotter in uh right now uh amadio i wonder uh because of of his versatility uh what he could do i i still will always until the, the, the last of them retire, I will leave the door open for a misfit reunion. <laughs> and do, I, I don't rule that out at all. Yeah. Uh, come come leading up to the to the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs, depending on who is available and and what options uh, they they might want to look at. But it, it's all going to revolve around what they do with Jack Eichel, uh, who's going to play uh, on that uh, on that left side with with, with Eichel. And, and uh, slot in on, on that part of it. And then what possible combinations fit best after that? Uh, and you go to the left side and you wonder, uh, is it Barbershop? Uh, does he click somewhere else? Is it Dorofiev? Well, that would be a big jump. But uh, obviously the production that you're getting out of him right now warrants that kind of experimentation. Is it Chandler Stevenson that moves up on that left side, and then you move Nick Waugh back to the middle uh, on the third line. There's there's a lot going on, and uh, I'm not uh, one to say that this is going on in the coaches' room downstairs at City National Arena uh, by 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 any means. But uh, the the more I move one piece around, there there is a uh, effect where it 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 impacts two not just two lines 
but but three lines and and maybe even a fourth. But uh, that that fourth line with Howden and Bluger, I love them. Uh, I don't think Keegan Colasar is coming out of the lineup at yeah. all, no yeah. matter uh, who's available. So I think I think that's that's the one right now that uh, that that I would pencil in with those three players. But everybody else, I think there's a potential for, for change. And if you do change one, you're probably changing three. Yeah. Yeah, because just, like, let's use the idea of Chandler Stevenson moving up to play alongside Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marcheseau. Then that would put Nick Waugh, conceivably, right, as your third-line center. Yeah. So you've got, a, you've got a line of what I would argue Ivan Barbashev, Nick Waugh, and Phil Kessel, and then you just put Pavel Dorofiev right back where he was with William Carlson and Riley Smith, and that, to me, looks good. Right. So or, I, or you could see it another version. Yeah, with with Dorofiev up with uh-huh. with Eichel, yeah, uh, and and uh, uh, Eichel with uh, the playmaking ability, and then the finish uh, with with Pavel Dorofiev the way he's going right now, and yeah. and Jonathan Marcheseau, uh is that line heavy enough? Does it have enough grit? That would be my question mark uh, among those three players. But the finishing ability of those three players uh, scoring like Dorofiev's on a forty-four goal pace. <laughs> uh, based on, and he didn't score for the first four games he was up, uh, yeah. but that's included, including in that, uh, included in that. Uh, then uh, that would uh, that would leave you uh, with uh, with some things happening with uh, uh, the uh, third line and the fourth line, and and where what do you do with those two wings? But I just I find it really uh, fun and fascinating mm-hmm. uh, slash interesting that you could have a team that is closing in on a regular season division title and top seed in the conference and have this many moving parts without even factoring in what if so-and-so comes back? What if this player returns uh, midway through the, the, the second round? What happens to that? I'm not factoring any of that, and there's still uh, a lot to go, which gives you the idea of the depth and the way that they've operated this season. Like, How many wingers has Jack Eichel, when you go through the list, has Jack Eichel played with uh, off the top of your head? Like, I, the, it, there's, a, there's a list there, and that's your, <laughs> number one, that's your number one center. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's played with Riley Smith. He's played with Chandler Stevenson. He's played with Ivan Barbashev and Paul Cotter and, and Jonathan Marcheseau and Phil Kessel. I, I mean, really, I just listed pretty much everybody. Mark Stone. Yeah, Mark Stone. Like, and that's kind of been the type of year that it's been. Like, the Golden Knights have been able to kind of find combinations. That Will Carrier was yeah. he was up there for a bit. Yep, that's that's true too. And, and they've been able to find combinations that have worked for stretches. And then when it it's gone a little bit of stale or it hasn't worked as well. Bruce Cassidy has, has kind of tweaked things or been forced to tweak things because of injuries. He's been able to find combinations that get enough offense out of your team to win hockey games. And, you know, I think if you're, if you're a fan going into it, maybe another fan base would be a little bit, I don't want to say panicked, but, but worried about the fact that it doesn't feel like the lineup is, is necessarily set in stone or the line combinations are set in stone. But I feel like the ability to be flexible and lean on your depth and lean on the balance is is really what's gotten the Golden Knights to this point where you win three out of four, you clinch the division. Okay, let's go down that list again because uh, okay. na- now you, now you've really piqued my interest uh, because I, I wasn't I knew it was long yeah but but that extended beyond my <laughs> comprehension. Okay. You had Smith, yep, Stevenson, yep, Barbashev, yep, Cotter, yep, Marcheseau, yep, Stone, yep. Carrier. Yep. Wah. 
I feel like yes. And then there was one other. Was it Amadio? Thank you. Oh, and Kessel. He played with Kessel. Eight, yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> I think, that, that, I that's, think the, <laughs> that's, that's ten players deep, and we may, we may be one off there. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's ten players deep. And, well, that, that, and you've got your leading uh, point producer, your leading goal scorer in, yeah. in, in uh, uh, Jack Eichel, uh, yeah. who, who's center of that line. But that is incredible. When you go through numbers like that, a list like that, and then you also reconcile it with having a three-point lead with a week and a half to go, mm-hmm. I'm not sure those go together all the time. No. No, I don't think. Oh, and Pavel Dorofiev. Let's not forget that. Okay. Now, he hasn't lined up for the start of a game there. Yeah. So I'll, I'll hold off on that. Okay, okay. That's but I, w- would he start there in the playoffs? Would I be shocked at that? No. Yeah, me neither. But, boy, that, that surprises me as we do that live on the air. Yeah. Going through it. Uh, what's what's your, your feedback to that? Not being, being surprised, but, uh, but that extensive list. That it, it tells me, right, that the Golden Knights are a very deep hockey team. And, you know, you don't necessarily ever want to go that deep in kind of finding rotating casts with your top line. But what I think it's proven, what I think it shows is that, you know, the Golden Knights have a lot of players that can play in really any part of the lineup. At any point in time, you've got a lot of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? You've got a lot of flexibility. Versatility. Versatility. That's yeah. the perfect word. Thank you, Darren. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is a versatile lineup. You've got a lot of really, really good hockey players that can play up when needed, that can play in their natural spots, maybe a little bit more down the lineup, but it all come, culminates in a, a team that's able to find what they need on a night-to-night basis to win hockey games based on players slotting in here and there and where they're needed. Go back to training camp. You and I and Chapman did an exercise. Yeah. Picking the starting 12 forwards for game number one. Mm -hmm. I believe you were the most uh, on point on that. That's correct. But the the fact that we had multiple different submissions with that is a reflection of what we've just talked about. Yeah. That there, there is so much fluidity uh, with the situation. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll continue uh, to digest uh, the three games that the Golden Knights just played. Uh, we'll get into our game ratings uh, as well as uh, what we uh, want to look forward to uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. A big game tonight with the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, that will keep you uh, apprised of uh, from a uh, preview standpoint. And then uh, the National Hockey League news and notes with one-timers uh, checking things out uh, around the league. It's the BGK Insider Show from the Oil Hotel and Casino and Studio 31 of Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Toying with the idea of opening up the phones in hour number two. Yeah, it's first show of the week. We haven't been on because of the two games in Minnesota and Nashville. You haven't had a chance to have your say. Maybe we'll do it. Just stand by your phone. We'll give you an idea about that uh, in uh, segment number three uh, of this first hour of the VGK Insider Show from Studio 31 at City National Arena. And Ryan's over at the Oyo Hotel and Casino. What's happening there? I'm just hanging out inside the Underground Lounge, inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Pool season officially underway. Plenty of food and drink specials there. You've got North America's largest Hooters. 
restaurant staring me right in the face at Thursday Wheel of Fortune slot tournament, 1 to 3 p.m., free to enter. You have to be an oil rewards member and 21 or older, but slot tournaments, they are immense fun. And $1 blackjack tables, only casino on the strip doing that, home of the $2 Bud, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra. It's a party every single week that I'm down here, and tonight's no exception. Everybody was anxiously awaiting me getting connected and on and ready to go with this beautiful, beautiful program. You giving anything away? I am giving some stuff away. I'm waiting on official confirmation, but as soon as I get that, I'll give it to you. Okay. So the possibility of something fantastic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, like, are you going to like your truck? Uh, well, I'm not giving my truck away. No, that's not no, a thing. No, I, was, I, I wasn't sure what level we were we were talking about here. Uh, we might have the game of the year in the National Hockey League happening tonight. It all depends on what team you support, uh, where you are on the desperation level. But if you were going to look at it objectively, mm-hmm. the game of the year in the <laughs> National Hockey League to date just might be happening tonight. Uh, We'll get into that in just a little bit uh, as the uh, Western Conference uh, takes hold. There's also a big one uh, when you talk about uh, just sending messages happening in the Eastern Conference uh, this evening. Uh, New York Rangers, a little short-staffed for that one with a significant name missing from their lineup. Uh, We'll bring up tonight uh, on News and Notes with one-timers in segment uh, two of our number two. And we uh, will, I think we're going to open up the phones uh, in in our number two uh, as well. Just give everybody an opportunity to uh, voice their assessment of having a magic number that's that's down to uh, six. Uh, Should also mention Petrangelo. Wow. Like, yeah. what, what about that performance? First time that he scored uh, two goals in a BGK uniform. Yeah, I thought Alex Petrangelo was really good. Um, certainly in the game last night against the Nashville Predators, but I, I also think that you look at the game-tying goal with 35 seconds left by Pavel Dorofiev in Minnesota. Alex Petrangelo was on the ice for what seemed like three and a half minutes, and he was making plays, keeping pucks in, extending zone time, like doing everything that you need to do there have been pockets where Alex Petrangelo has just completely taken games over and you can just tell how much he wants to win every single night. He leaves it all on the line. Uh, I, I, I was really uh, intrigued with his, uh, his reaction to the game last night. You mentioned the interview that he did with Dan uh, during the course uh, of the game, but uh, afterwards uh, talking to Ashley and getting uh, their perspective about where they, they were and uh, balancing that with expectations in the three and the four nights and playing on a back-to-back and three different rinks. Uh, and uh, also offered a comment about the schedule, how weird it is uh, coming down the stretch with the, these home-and-home series, but, uh, but uh, not real uh opportunities to dig your heels in uh in anywhere in, in particular because they're home their way they're home their way mm-hmm. it's all over the place but uh but the the performance that you saw last night in in finding a way to come back and, and get that single point uh that that's not lost on me uh where the the gut check uh the perseverance uh the commitment uh to to get that and then if you if you do get the mana advantage to click uh, you should be in a really good uh, situation, and you lose the game on a fluke, which is easier to digest for me. Yeah, to a degree. I, I think you're you're right there. I, I liked how the Golden Knights played throughout the majority of the game last night. I don't look at it as uh, a game where they didn't kind of show up or, or didn't play to their identity. I thought second period was, was really, really good. Obviously, you get the two goals. You put pucks on net. You go hard to the front of the net. Good things happen. 
uh, a ton of zone time, a, a ton of controlling the puck in the third period. Probably wanted to funnel maybe more to the net, but more or less, I, I thought the Golden Knights controlled the majority of that game last night, and you know, it's it's a it's an unfortunate bounce that that comes in in overtime on on a power play, and that's the difference in the game. And you know, you look at the Golden Knights; they had a power play opportunity in the third period with a chance to to take a lead, and it just if if you're pointing to anything, it was just it didn't feel like that power play was going to to break through. It didn't feel like it was as urgent as it needed to be at that moment in the game. No, That's I get- really go ahead. I was just going to say, I want to get back to the power play in, in a second, but not very often a team falls behind 2 nothing and is a video review away from being behind 3 nothing yeah. in a game. And you can say, they, they deserve better than, than an overtime loss. It, that, that, uh, that speaks to how they played in the second and the third period, which I think is, is right on point with you, is, is very accurate that they did deserve better in that game. Yeah, I thought again. I, I thought they played a really good game. Like it's, and it's it's so wild, right? Because like there have been times where we've looked at the Golden Knights and we've we've seen it pretty clearly. They had their their B game or their C game, and they find a way to win because that's what good teams do. But this was a, a game where I, I do believe the Golden Knights came out on the wrong side of the the results equation when they played as as good a game as I think that they played on Saturday against Minnesota. Unfortunate to be down a couple of goals early, but more more or less, I, I thought the Golden Knights controlled the game last night. Yeah, I thought it was their second best game out of the three. Yeah, the the yeah. first one at home against Minnesota, really yeah. good. Uh, it really, really consistent uh, from one uh, period to the next. Uh, the the game against Minnesota, they found a way, but was was a just a muddy track. And not not a lot of space. You wouldn't have said that that was the same uh, dimensions of a rink from from one game to the next. Like the yeah. game in Vegas to the game in Minnesota, you would have thought that was half the, the space that was available just because it was so uh, tight checking. Uh, and so that that one wasn't as uh, fluid uh, from a entertaining standpoint or an opportunity to get things going from either side. Uh, quite frankly, yeah. Vegas yeah. played a good game defensively, but uh, but I I I was impressed uh, and happy with uh, with what Vegas did last night. You, you could tell that the feeling was you were swimming upstream, yeah. but from a territorial standpoint, the second and third, you're you'll take your chances with that. Yeah, I mean, if you play that way, you're going to win a lot of hockey games. And that's really kind of what it boils down to. And I know a lot of people roll their eyes when you start talking about the process and the results and all that. But to me, I love the way the Golden Knights played last night. I agree with you in that it was their second best game of the three-game stretch, and it's the game where they only pick up a point. Uh, Sometimes that's hockey, but I I thought that the Golden Knights, if they play like they did for the majority of the night last night, they're going to be really, really tough to beat over the final four games of the year. I had a close colleague tell me that uh, time for process is over. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I'm just wondering, uh, because you're a big believer in that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that it's over. I think that you've got to be playing the right way. Now, obviously, when, when you're done with these four games, the only thing that matters is results. Like, if you play poorly but you find a way to win, you're, you're going to take that all day long. And if you play really, really well and you play to your identity and you lose, that's going to that's gonna suck. It's going to be hard to swallow. But I think that process more or less does dictate results. And I, I think the Golden Knights, when they're playing to their identity, when they're playing well, 
they're hard to beat. Yeah, right, but I, I'm actually inclined to be with my colleague, yeah. uh, who uh, it was an off-the-record conversation, so I don't want to mention mm-hmm. their name uh, on the air because I don't think that's fair, and then have them defending this. Uh, but I'm, I'm on uh, the verge of, of really being in agreement with that, that your game 78 uh, in, into the season uh, process takes a backseat to result and execution uh, on the ice. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't want to play a certain way and and have uh, things build off each other during the course of the game, but the, the process part, I, I think, is in our rearview mirror now. Yeah, I... I don't. I don't know that I disagree. I don't know that I agree with that because I feel like you're always working on trying to refine your game, and maybe that's maybe it's it's not process that I'm talking about. Maybe it is going out there and executing and playing uh, to the standard you know you're capable of. Maybe it's just a, a different way of saying the same thing. But all that to say, I think for the Golden Knights, they they know how good they can be. They know they can win games when they don't have their best game, and when you're done with 82 games the only thing that really matters on a night-to-night basis is whether or not you pick up four out of seven wins and that's that's the reality of the situation so game one on april 17th or 18th whichever draw the uh, the vegas golden knights get yeah you you can't bring up process during those games and going forward i probably not i mean because because all the uh, to you're right, because the only thing that matters is whether or not right. you win the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's not being argumentative at all. Yeah. I'm yeah. just uh, – it does come a time where the, the work that you put in has to lead to results. That, that you, you've, you've exhausted that, uh, that point. Now, if a regular season is 94 games, well, you can, you can tell me on that because there's more runway uh, left. But when it comes to the, to the Stanley Cup playoffs, like that, that's over. And, and with the schedule down the stretch here and what's at stake with the regular season division title and number one seed in the division, the conference, uh, process is, is halfway out the door. The fact that you're still working through lines and there's some fluidity there, mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the might might squeak the, the the crack of the door open a little bit more. But come next uh, uh, on two weeks time, I think I think it's over. It's just we we can chalk it up to uh, now. It's show me time. Uh, let's go. Let's get up. And and I think the players would be uh, all for that too. The the coaches would be all for that. Uh, let's let's go. Let's uh, crank it up. Be enough of the the fine tuning or, or changing things around. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll set up our number two, which will include rating last night's game which will be a double dip as we will also get into the contest against the Minnesota Wild in which the Vegas Golden Knights managed to come back and win in a shootout. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. I legitimately do not know who the Golden Knights will start in goal tomorrow night for the game against the Los Angeles Kings. Who would you go with? 702-876-1340. Call us. We're opening up the phones for Hour 2 of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 